Hello and welcome to episode 947 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, June 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. Um, just hanging out. Got a lot of uh, baseball-related stuff done yesterday. Uh, ready for a big week. How about yourself? Yeah. Um, it's going to get hot here today, so I'm, I'm looking f- not forward to that, I guess. We're actually a little, uh, we're, we're a little rainy here still. Oh, lucky. Uh, we hit a reprieve. I mean, it's getting a little tiresome, but, uh, and I'm old, so my body reacts negatively to uh, <laughs> moisture in the air, which is really sad, but it's a fact of life. And I, uh, so my back is, is barking, but uh, it's all right. We, we, we plug on and, you know, we always, there's a cliche here in Texas. Oh, you know, we need the rain. So, you know, cause we always do. So we'll, we'll store it up for the summer because. At any moment, it's going to hit 100 and then stay there for three months, you know? Yeah, so. we're, uh, my, the, the city I live in is going to institute water rationing today. So, that'll be fun. I think, I think, um, on the heels of the winter storm, they're talking about us having to, um, you know, maybe get some rolling blackouts, brownouts type deals. So, cool. Well, well done. Well done, Texas. <laughs> Great job. Stupid uh, on the plus side, I have not had a cigarette for a week now. That's fantastic, man. And like, I'm sure that week felt like an eternity. It did. But uh, but I'm used to it because that's what marriage feels like. <laughs> I can speak from a tiny measure of experience. I, di- I didn't. I wasn't smoking very long when I quit, but it gets exponentially easier. Each each passing week feels a lot easier by the time you get through it. So. Stay strong, my man, because you're uh, you're off to a great start. Very well done. Thank and you. I know that you don't like it hot because you just prefer casual weather. Yes, I do prefer casual weather. Someone someone told me when I'm when I'm thinking of uh, having a cigarette, I should just think of casual weather, and that'll calm you down. So, okay. and I I, that, I totally had forgotten about that. It's a great shout out. If you know, you know, mm-hmm. and if you don't, that's okay. But you are missing out, and I absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't even tell you where to go to uh, to get in on the joke. That's it. It's, it's a one of the uh, one of the pandemic episodes. <laughs> one of the drafts. It's it's the sports draft. Um, the stuff in sports, but mm-hmm. we don't know what it means either. Yeah. Um, but let's dive in. We have a, kind of a light rundown. I'm sure we'll find things to branch off and talk about within it, but not a ton going on uh, after a Monday. We did have a trade, though. We have an early morning trade today or super late. I doubt it was late night because I was up pretty late. Yeah, so I mean, I, I was up till 5 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, it, it had to be early morning. And uh, Corey Dickerson's headed to the Blue Jays with Adam Simber, the uh, sidewinding reliever, for Joe Panic and a prospect. So not a huge trade. In fact, Dickerson's currently hurt. But a depth piece for Toronto, and I wonder, you know, we were talking on Sunday with with Jason about how, you know, those AL only like like Tal Labor, they're they're so deep. Would you go out and get Dickerson right away for an AL only, even with him being hurt right now? Um, no. Where does he play? I mean, he's a depth piece, so he takes some of Randall Grichik's playing time. Does he? Grichik's been really good. Has he still been holding up? I don't have him anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he's been, I mean, he hasn't been like out on fire as he was earlier in the season, but. He's he smoothed out back to, back to where he, where he is, you know? I mean, 267, 14 home runs is still better than Corey Dickerson. Uh, 
I don't know. Not a well, especially with the defense. Sub three hundred OBP is disgusting. It's so bad, and he has a six fifty five OPS this month. Grichuk does so. That's where I think the playing time comes from is sharing time uh, with Grichuk, giving guys a burn, a, a blow here and there. Um, you know, seven thirty two OPS versus righties for Grichuk, eight seventy seven against lefties. So I think he needs to, you know, maybe be platooned a bit. And again. That, that, that's where it comes from. It, it has to be, um, and we'll see what happens when Gritchuk gets, or excuse me, when Dickerson gets healthy. He hasn't been great this year uh, or even really last year. You never, with, with him, I'm, I think he has such a good track record prior to 2020 that when he's not playing well, I assume that there's something going on health-wise. I, I think he's earned that sort of, that sort of level of like, okay, he's sub- uh, below average with his WRC plus Dickerson's nursing something. That's, that's how I view it. So we'll see what happens when he gets healthy. I think that's where the playing time comes from. And I think I would go ahead and go for him in AL only if you can stash somebody who's currently hurt because nothing comes on the waiver wires in, in those leagues. When you're talking like 12 teams, AL only you're not yeah. getting things. So yeah, I, I, I would make the play now when he's not, when he's not healthy and people are wondering where he's going to, where he's going to play, you know, he could take some of my boy Guriel's time too. I, I love Guriel and Guriel's, yeah, struggled. Yeah, he was really coming out of his funk there for a bit, but he, but he's dipped right back into it. Um, you know, with with a 692 OPS over the last two weeks again. Now he doesn't have a split; he's just been sub 700 OPS against both sides, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter either way. But I think he'll take a little, a day or two here, here and there from Guriel. Uh, and Gritchick. So he'll get some playing time, but it's not going to be anywhere close to starting uh, full time. So AL only is really the only value I can see for Dickerson right now. Yeah, I think that's right. On the on the like kind of other side of it. This, yeah, panic in Miami, any love? Well, no, I, I no, of course not. Oh, uh, I, I thought I thought that's where you're going. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm, I am going to talk about Miami, but it's more a matter of, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Jesus Sanchez. Could, oh, yeah, they're outfielders. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to start, you know, I think this is the beginning of a teardown. We might see uh, Jesus Aguilar get moved here, uh, which would give Garrett Cooper probably some full-time run. I'd uh, be okay with that because they have an adequate backup, but I don't think they should fully tear down. I know they're 11 under, but they're only eight he, and a half back. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be like a full, full teardown. But, like, you know, Starling Marte, I think he's a free agent at the end of the year. So uh, it would make sense for them to try to get some value uh, out of him. Pull up Bleday, mm-hmm. uh, move Aguilar, pull up, uh, put Cooper as a full-time. I agree. But the spots where they have somebody that they can put in, I'm okay with them making some moves there. And they've got, uh, I mean, I- they've got the entire offense especially. Like, they have, like, they've got people who can come up and fill in at every single one of those spots. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's what makes it. That's what makes it easy. I was just objecting or or pushing back on the idea of a teardown because I don't no. think that they should like, you know, fully restart or anything. It, it's more of a reload type thing where they're gonna, you know, just add some more pieces uh, to this team that is, I mean, potentially really up and coming. I mean, if they could get Marte in a long term deal and maybe they can get him on the off season uh, in the off season. <laughs> Don't I wouldn't do that. I mean, another, what a three-year deal for Marte. 
I wouldn't do that. I, I like Marte a lot. He's a great player, but I, I don't really see the value in necessarily going for him for three years when they've got outfielders on the come That's up. That's fair, yeah. Sanchez, who's there. Um, you've got Blade. Those, those are the two primary. Is there anybody good who can play center, though? I think Blade can play center. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, and I don't know what their middle infield situation is like. I wonder if Jazz Chisholm would make a good center fielder. Not that he can't handle second, but is he more valuable if you moved him out to center? Hmm. I mean, that's 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 just like a you know passing thought kind of deal. Not something that I think they have to do. He hasn't played any outfield. I'm I'm making this up out of thin air. Frankly, I think he can hold short. So that, you yeah, know, I think that would process, probably be that's the more they likely. Yeah, they could trade Rojas, who's 32 years old. So there's three 30 somethings with Aguilar Rojas and uh, Starling Marte that they could get something for, keep retooling, just get a bit younger, and go from there and really be loaded for next year when they get Sixto and Eliezer back to go with the three studs who have been dominant this year with Alcantara, Rogers, Lopez. And man, Zach Thompson is making an early impression too. And I wonder if uh, if there's any staying power there. So they've got some moves to make, I think, still. Uh, while not making it a teardown, and I think they're going to play spoiler. I talked about it last year that they could play spoiler, and they ended up making the playoffs. I think they're going to play spoiler in that division, um, even though they're 11 under right now. I still think it's a team you don't really want to face down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's uh, it's not like one of these bottom dweller teams like maybe Pittsburgh or or uh, the Diamondbacks or the Orioles. But I think this is a good time to start looking at some of these bad teams and going. Okay, when the trade does happen, you know we've heard a lot about Eduardo Escobar potentially moving. Like, who's next man up? It's it's funny you mentioned that. I got a whole list of trade candidates uh, that I put together just yesterday with the backfills, and I don't know if it's going to be a, an article or a pod or what, but I'm I'm already on that train. And there you go. Uh, I think you're exactly right. It's worth digging into. Uh, I, I see them more like my Tigers, a, a team that you don't really want to face. Um, Tigers have almost the same record, almost the same sort of build where they're built through their pitching, and thus you're going to get a tough uh, tough series out of them. So we'll see what Miami continues to do as the trade deadline gets closer. Let's talk about your favorite player, Corey Seager, uh, who is hurt right now with the injury. <laughs> it, it fractured right hand. It's not uh, it's not going well right now as far as the rehab, and so they're going to slow play this. Uh, that's that's their term there as far as bringing him back, and that's you know kind of the beauty of the Dodgers is that they have the ability to do that. Now I think I would hope that any team, um, regardless of their backfield situation, wouldn't just rush some guy back, you know, even if it's a star level player, and and potentially get him more hurt. But in the Dodgers' case, they can really just lay back and take as much time as they need because they're barely missing him even though he's been excellent this year so with Seager you're gonna have to wait a bit longer I just really wanted to bring it up as kind of like a heads up as opposed to anything that's actionable because I don't I don't really see cutting him in any format I think that'd be insane what do you think he did get cut in a few uh leagues this week on NFBC and I think in a few OCs and maybe a few main events as well unfortunately not any of my leagues. So I'd love to pick up. I was going to say, yeah, where do you come out on that? Because, again, yeah. you, you've never been his biggest fan. but No, but you can't deny the talent. Like, I yeah. mean, when he is healthy, he is a health top defense, yeah, 50 player in fantasy. My concern has always been his health. It has, you know, uh, never been the, the true talent level of Corey Sager. So, 
I can't fathom a situation that you'd have to be in to cut him. Like even, you know, g- g- give me Buxton, Monda, CC. Like I'm keeping all three. I'm sorry. Would you and keep it, like Flaherty over him? No. I, I would keep I would keep Seager. Mm. I'd keep the hitter for sure. Yeah, I, I think it would be a, I'd be hard pressed. I think I'd rather run with like a really, really short bench than That's uh, the thing. than cut I, him. I, I was actually speaking from experience. I have a team with Seager, Mondesi, Buxton, mm. and I didn't consider cutting any of them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't. It sucks that I have to run basically a four man bench in that OC, but that's the way it is. So, you know, sit tight. Uh, but maybe if you if you were talk in some trade talks to maybe replace shortstop a little bit and you thought, oh, no, Seager might be back soon. Maybe you go back to those trade talks there because he's been shut down from swinging and it's going to take a while. Uh, Cattell Marte goes to the IL and Cole Calhoun is starting a rehab at, at the same time. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. And you even mentioned somebody who's very likely. I mean, not even very likely. He's guaranteed to get traded. There is no world where Eduardo Escobar doesn't get traded. So that's going to alleviate some of this playing time crunch. But depending on when Calhoun gets back, it could start to create a little bit of crunch um, with Paven Smith, Cole Calhoun, Christian Walker. Uh, obviously, I, I could include David Peralta there, but he's not coming out. And I don't think Josh Rojas necessarily is either. So what I could see happening is Rojas, like they trade Escobar here in the near future. Rojas goes to second. Then your outfield is Peralta, Smith, Calhoun, and then Walker can play uh, first, and then when Marte comes back, maybe by then they've traded somebody else, um, because I, I don't think I, I don't think you can take out guys like Rojas and Smith for sure. And I don't even know if you should. Why, why couldn't you take out Smith? Smith has been brutal recently. Because he's a first round pick who is still somebody who gets on base regularly. I mean, we're not going to do this again, are we? Um, Look at his numbers from the last two weeks. That I don't care. <laughs> I know that he smoothed out because he was out of his mind originally. Why would you a 38 sit him? WRC plus of the last two? Why years. Would you, okay. Why would you sit him? Because he's struggling. I don't think he's going to sit full time, but I think he goes stupid. into a platoon Sorry. with That'd Christian so Walker. Stupid. That would be so stupid. Like that. I mean, it's the Diamondbacks, so it might happen, but I'm asking you, somebody who isn't a stupid Diamondback front office person, why would you do that? Because you're, it's a short-term solution because you're going to move guys like Walker, would, like Calhoun, and you need... Done. I mean, you're talking about two weeks for Pavin Smith. How about 44 games, 170 plate appearances of complete trash for Christian Walker? Yeah, but Christian Walker, I, I Walker doesn't have options. And I, know like, I know you don't like Pavin Smith, but I don't understand, like... Because that, that makes no sense. No, it, it makes sense from a logistical standpoint because you're trying to move Walker. You're trying to move. You're not getting shit for him. They don't necessarily need anything in particular, a player to be named later or yeah, something so like that. I'm saying you can do that whether he's benched or not, you whether can, he's catching the short you have side. The, of the you have the chance to get more value if he's disagree. playing in. It doesn't change it. Because here's the thing. If a team wants to trade for him, they know what he did in 2019 and 20 when he was a uh, you know solid above average player, a 111 uh, OPS plus in those two years, both of them actually, and they're not going to judge too harshly over this current season and say like, oh he he's garbage now. I don't think they need him to be playing every day to be like, oh now we want him or don't. 
Meanwhile, I don't understand why you would sit your 25-year-old, like, future player at all. Maybe a breather once a week, but, like, putting him in any sort of platoon, I think, I just don't think that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I understand, but I think you're not looking at it from the way the Diamondbacks are going to look from it is they're trying their goal right now is to extract as much value from the trade market as possible and I, I, that I'm may here, involve I'm telling you that that f- 10 extra games from Christian Walker is not changing anything. First off, a 30-year-old first baseman who doesn't have like you know premium power, you're not getting much for him no matter like it, it, he could go on a heater right now and hit seven home runs in the next twelve games. It does not trade the change the trade value. It it, it, it would not perceptibly change that trade value for him. So I, I don't understand like sitting your your future guy here who has you know real opportunity to be something for you, just based on the fact that he's slowed down over the last couple of weeks. I, I just I just don't think that makes any sense. Again, the Diamondbacks, if they do it. They're stupid, and they've shown themselves to be stupid, but there is no sense to that. Plus, Pavin Smith plays center. So who plays center in this in this case right now? Um, Can Calhoun play center? He could fake I would it. think he's he would right be – he's a good enough right fielder that That's I would it. think he could play center. His arm yeah. is part of why he's yeah. he's good out there and right. I, I mean, he's played exactly 15 major league innings of center field. He's a right fielder through and through yeah i mean that may be the sticking point ultimately is that uh i mean they probably don't want to play varsho <laughs> he's catching oh that's right he's catching too so they need, they need him to catch maybe he plays some of his off days out in the field a little bit um in the outfield but uh, you know uh, he's he's their primary catcher right now with calhoun down and pretty much toast yeah, um, that's not going well either uh yeah, I mean, I guess you're probably right because he does probably uh, Smith probably has to probably play center. So um, I retract. Well, then that means Walker continues to play, and when Cole I Calhoun, I, 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 the 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 linchpin here is Escobar getting traded, which I think is going to happen here pretty quick. Uh, that's what I said. It's it's a guarantee. It's just a matter of when. And then they move Rojas to second. Uh, and yeah. okay. Yeah. So I think that, I think that's kind of the playing time situation long-term. I still think Pavin isn't very good, but you're probably right. He's probably going to continue to play. Yeah. Top, top, top 60 outfielders aren't very good. He, he was top 40 last time we talked. No, he wasn't. <laughs> I just listened back to that today. He was not. <laughs> and somebody chimed in on Twitter saying they agree with you. Hey, yep. if people think being wrong, that's fine. No, I, no. I, the the, the people mind. have spoken, Paul. Su- suggesting he's not vi- – the, the person has spoken. Suggesting he's not viable in 12-teamers. With he might have multiple personalities. You don't know. Yeah. He could sure. be people. He, yeah, he could. Uh, Brandon Nimmo's on a rehab for the Mets and they're, you know, they're starting to get their pieces back. They got Michael Conforto back recently, you know, they, and they, they held their own throughout this, uh, all this trouble they had. Remember when they were putting out like a, like a double a roster for a while there. And now they've got McNeil back Conforto back. Nemo's coming back. Is this the end for Kevin Pilar's playing time? I don't think it's the end, but the fantasy relevance. Obviously, I don't think he's never going to play. You're, you're reading too too 
Yeah. No, no, but I mean, I think, like, Pilar's going to still have a fairly large role. I mean, this is a team that has had a lot of injury issues this season, uh, and I think it's going to turn into some sort of rotation to try to keep guys fresh and healthy. I mean, Conforto, obviously, uh, is a guy who, you know, come is coming off the IL recently, has had injury history in the past, so maybe they try to keep him fresh, keep Nimmo fresh, uh, and get Pilar you know, it won't be everyday playing time, but uh, I think it'll be fairly regular that it can still be somewhat viable uh, in, like, your deeper mixed leagues. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, shallower mixed leagues, he's probably uh, probably he, droppable. He's not, even use, he's not even useful now in shallow mixed leagues. Yeah. Time. So I, I, would, I wouldn't have him anywhere near my team with, uh, with the guys coming back. But 15 teamers, I mean, I guess maybe a bench roll, but what does he really offer? He does have eight homers, which is kind of a surprise. He has six this month, but it's come with a 193 average for, for Pilar. So like, yeah, and I mean, he's brutal. Uh, he's been brutal against lefties, which is where you would think he would actually line up well. Uh, I, I, so probably, yeah, he's probably not. Like he's he's a fill in. He'll he'll defensive uh, defensive sub here and there. Mm-hmm. And I agree he's gonna get he's gonna get a start or two each week for somebody. Dom Smith is still pretty bad out there in the outfield, um, and his bat hasn't exactly been forcing him into the lineup. Um, but I think you know as they get cooking, Pilar really loses fantasy value in anything but NL only at this point. Fifteen teamers you can still hold them on your reserve right now because you know um, Nimmo isn't back yet. At least wait till that happens. Uh, but what do you think about Nimmo? Uh, we barely saw him to start the year. He was doing his same old thing, which is getting on base like crazy. He had a homer and two steals in his 80 plate appearances. He's one of those guys who's definitely better real life than than fantasy because of that OBP, unless you play in an OBP league, of course. But never really, you know, huge power or speed contribution. Just kind of a a solid guy. Is he somebody that that you would target on waiver wires right now? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big Nimmo guy. Uh, I love a guy who's going to lead off and get on base quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, because I think runs is probably the most underrated stat on the offensive side of fantasy. Uh, and, I agree. And so, like, getting a guy who, especially while the Mets have, like, underperformed in some ways this year, it's still a pretty darn good lineup, especially it's with really him at the lineup. top. Again, they, they survived that that nightmare, mm-hmm. and you know I think they get uh, they deserve some credit for that because they've survived and now they're adding like an all star back every other day it seems mm-hmm. like. And, and uh, you you would have to think that they're going to be active at the trade deadline. I mean, oh yeah, they're they're going to continue to plug holes. I think. Uh, I think it'll mostly be they'll, they'll go after starting pitching because Jared Eikhoff is their their number two apparently yeah. right. Right now, Dave Peterson's still like a big part of their rotation too. Yeah, Peterson's actually been decent recently. He's, he's been fine, but that playoff team is not trying to rely on David Peterson. No, you don't want to rely on Eikhoff, David Peterson, Tyler McGill. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude to David Peterson. He's a perfectly capable four-five starter who I think can can be around for a bit. But like, if this team on. gets completely healthy and makes a couple moves, they they're going to be a sneaky scary team. Oh, I, th- I don't season. think it's going to be sneaky. I think it's going to be flat out scary, uh, just you know, full stop there. Because you're right, like they can get pieces left and right. Like I said, the ones coming back. Wait till they get Jones Highway back. Game over. Yeah, 
rest of the league. And then uh, the bullpen's been pretty good, which is something that, you know, has usually been a weakness where we look and say, ah, oh, do the Mets have enough bullpen pieces to, you know, get to their one guy? In this case, it's Diaz. Back in the day, it was, you know, Familia and different guys that they would have. They'd have kind of that good closer, but then the bridge to them was shaky. This year, it's not shaky at all, and Diaz is great again. He hasn't allowed a single homer. So, yeah, they're they're a good team. They're definitely scary, and you got to be careful. I think Nimmo's a great get. Um, to be honest, he's kind of a uh, you know a little bit better Paven Smith. He has, he has a better OBP for sure, but Paven Smith cuts that same figure, which is why it's weird that you love Nimmo, but you hate Paven Smith. <laughs> I'm serious. Mm. He, he gets on base a lot too. Obviously, it's not uh, it has been going as well recently as you point out. But prior to those the two week slump, 344 OBP gets on base, scores runs, same type of profile. You're gonna you're gonna come back around on on him and, and look really. <laughs> we'll um, see, I guess. Let's put some guys in focus. Let's start with Miles Straw. Do we have to? Did, yes, we do. This and, one hurts. You know, Vlad tweeted out about him yesterday. And, uh, you know, he, he pointed out that you know he's been playing very well lately and and said that people's patience was rewarded. And, you know, I wasn't trying to have a go at him. I was just pointing out that it wasn't so much patience as I, I don't think people had an option. I, I think people were kind of forced to stick with him because he was their speed option. And it was like he's still playing. So I I guess I'll stick with him. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's turned it around. Uh, as as Vlad pointed out, April, May, 195 plate appearances with 17 runs, 237 average, six steals in 10 attempts. That was the rough part, too. You got your six steals, but in 10 attempts, ugh, it was even worse. Like, he did the April, May. I was looking at just 30 games into the season, 222, 301, 273, zero homers, and five for 12 on the bases. And the worst part about that with Straw is he wasn't even getting you like any good runs scored. He was pacing for 55 runs scored at that time. In the 45 games since, 306, 376, 382, so still no power, but who cares? That's not what you got him for. With two homers, six steals, and 24 runs. That's an 89-run pace. That's a lot more palatable. Now, you mentioned that this one hurts for you. Are you somebody who actually caught him? I cut him uh, a couple okay. weeks ago. Uh, in the main event, um, I, you know, and this is something we'll talk about a little bit more here, uh, in, from a different category perspective. Uh, but I, in the main event, I was looking at my team and I went, I am dead last in stolen bases. Okay. That's fair then. And I need to make a decision here based on whether or not, you know, I'm probably not going to compete for the overall, you know? At the at that point, I think I had thirty total in, uh, total stolen bases, um, yeah. and I'm I'm dead last. Uh, the chance is, unless I find another the big stolen base guy, I'm not going to compete in the category. But I can make room up in home runs, in RBIs, in runs scored, and in batting average, and still try to win your league, and try to win my league, or at least finish second because Phil Dussault is uh in in my league, and he's got is like it a. Is it his number one team, or is it his one that's, like, in sixth? I think it's his one that's in, like, sixth. Um, but still, it's a top, like, 10 no, no, or 15 team in the overall. Like it's, I was just saying, like, there's two bananas teams that he has. Yeah, it's uh, his seventh place, uh, seventh overall uh, <laughs> team of his 
top it was two that are in the top ten, including the one okay. that's number one overall. So, so I, that's a little different. You 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 made a, a calculated decision that let this guy's not doing me any good. Let me move on from him and get something that can help. I yeah, don't. Think he, I mean, he's only that. hit like four nineteen since I did that. What's that? He's only hit four nineteen since I did that. He's on fire right now. I mean, <laughs> listen, it's painful to watch that. It's actually been four twenty nine. Get it right, please. Uh, with three stolen bases and forty one plate appearances, but like you said, that that wouldn't have really helped you. And there's still no power to. I mean, there's a there's a home run or two, but like, what would that have really done for you? Yeah, no, I I cut him on on uh, the twentieth of, of June. Uh, so like, it's only been. A home run, two stolen bases, uh, like four RBI. Like it's not moving me a ton in the category, and I, I needed to make a decision. Uh, yeah, and I don't think this is sustainable. Like it's, you know, I mean, uh, it's a home run. Yeah, I mean, I, if you play every day, you put somebody in for six hundred plus plate appearances. Just about any major leaguer, if they're truly a major leaguer, I'm not saying go get somebody from high A and do this, but if they're truly like at that major league level. They're going to have a hot run. Even somebody that would have a 500 OPS, something in the 500s for the full year, they would be there would be a decent run in there at some mm-hmm. point. And Miles Straw is having his right now. I guess uh, you, you said you don't think it's going to last. I tend to agree with you too. And one of the things that I I never really saw, you know, when we talked about him coming into the year, the the leading off thing. It, it was kind of penciled in the lead off. That was something that. I, I just never really saw. He's only had five games there, and uh, he he has to be a bottom of the order kind of guy, especially with as good as their lineup's been. The crazy thing is they've sacrificed two spots at center and catcher, the two spots that you can do that to get defense, and it hasn't hurt their offense in the slightest. They're, they're so good. I they, mean, they're it's... so unbelievably good, and they they give two spots away uh, every night. Yeah, and I mean this is a team that. Uh, doesn't, you know, obviously have Verlander, uh, doesn't have other pieces. Uh, you know, McCullers has been, uh, injured back, yeah. and, and there's, they, they just like take next man up and they're, they're amazing. Um, you know, who was even really talking about Luis Garcia coming into the year? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure there was somebody, it's a, it's a vast fantasy industry, but there weren't many people. Um, you know, the Jake Odorizzi pickup took a little while to get going. That's looking really nice. We know the, uh, the, the tumultuous preseason and early season for Framber Valdez, who's now come back and he's been a God, you know, they're, they're, they've lost uh, like their entire bullpen, like twice over. Exactly. And ostensibly their best pitcher coming into the year, Zach Greinke has now been their worst. Uh, and he's not bad either. 365 ERA, 115 whip. I'm not shading him, but I'm pointing out that like, Virtually everybody else in the rotation has been better from an ERA and whip standpoint. And so it's just this is a team that is going to be so dangerous in the playoffs because they're going to move some of those arms into the bullpen. Exactly. And probably get a bullpen piece, too. Mm -hmm. So they're going to add a little bit and then have Javier, Luis Garcia, maybe both in the bullpen. And it's going to be nasty. All right. Finishing up on straw. How many steals the rest of the way? Hmm. That's... And throw in this percentage chance that they get somebody better for center field. And the, see, that's yeah. the real sticking point because, you know, we talked about this, uh, you know, a few weeks ago with Straw. And uh, I mentioned that I thought he was a, a decent center fielder. And I had some people reach out to me and be like, listen, he is not a good 
defender. He's just fast. He's just fast. And I was like, okay, so the metrics that I was looking at don't actually, uh, you know, and people are really complaining about how bad he is defensively. So I think they could, like, they could be in line for a Starling Marte, you know, that would be kind of like perfect for them. uh, A guy that they don't have to like, you know, commit long-term uh, funds to because they're a team that doesn't seem to want to pay guys long term, uh, and then they he'd be losing playing time. Piece. Like that, you know, they paid a yeah. couple guys. Obviously, looks like they're going to let Correa walk, but um, you know, I, I, I hear you that maybe they don't maybe, maybe he gets like eleven to seventeen or something like that. Rest of the way. Um, okay. You're saying 11 to 17 steals for Straw. That's got to be dependent on the playing time then, because that's six steals is kind of a wide gap. Yeah, yeah. I think it's dependent on what they do with the trade deadline. So hit me with a percentage chance that they get somebody. 70. Okay, so you're you're seeing pretty big. And that the Marte call out that fits too well, mm-hmm. and they could trade like um like a Pedro Leon and Straw for him. You know, something mm-hmm. like that. So I don't think it'll cost them too too much. So that's Miles Straw. Let's uh, let's continue on and put let's put. Oh God, we have to talk about testing here again. I didn't want to, Justin. Okay, I <laughs> when I made the rundown last night, he was not on, it. and I was like, I'm not doing it. And then I saw that he hit another homer yesterday. An oppo. Uh, yeah, and I think it was another one at the top of the zone, which I'm going to get into in a moment. And I know we just talked about him. Just talked about him uh, on 946 and 938 and 932 and 924. Uh, so I'm sorry. He keeps coming up. But I think he keeps being relevant because people are talking about him and picking him up. And he's he's raking again. So here's the thing. He went down again. He raked in the minors 1065 OPS and 51 plate appearances with a 500 Babbitt. Still a 26% K rate, but also an 18% walk rate. So a little bit better on the plate skills there. His last minor league sample was a 1433 OPS with three homers, 34% K, 11% walk, 688 Babbitt. So like he's doing his thing where he strikes out a ton, has a huge Babbitt, but was crushing the ball. Five games since returning, he has a 1341 OPS with three homers and 20 plate appearances. And two of those three homers have come in the upper third of the zone where he now has a 15-18 OPS. Now that's in a nothing sample, that OPS right there. But he had a 401 OPS in 54 plate appearances at the top of the zone prior to this recent call-up for Keston here. So distilling all that down, strikes out too much, crushes it when he does make contact, but seems to have too long of a swing to consistently get to the high heat that he seems to love to swing at is this an improvement or a blip for Keston Hira as far as hitting the two homers uh, at the top of the zone? You know that gif of that cute little girl? She's just like, why not both? Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it is. I think it is an improvement. Um, however, he's still striking out like 25% of the time during this hot stretch. Now that's an improvement, though. 37 this year so far, 35 last year. 25 I can live with. Um so that one, like, it's not so bad, but I don't know, man. I just feel like he needs to run, like, extremely high Babips when you strike out at least a quarter of the time. I think that's Or point. just hit bombs every other day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Um, I mean, it's can... it's still like a 65% zone contact percentage, yep. still swinging outside of the zone 33% of the time. Like, 
yes, is this good? And now, like, does he does he need to be picked up in every league just in case? Absolutely. And I think we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, where you said like you need to put in the cursor eight bids. Um, yes, sure. Because some people have probably gotten tired of him. And uh, and I did that. I picked him up in both of my online championships. You got him in our league together. So yep. what'd you pay? I paid in our league. I believe I that was the one I paid uh, sixteen bucks, and in the other league I paid thirty one. Um, got him in both, uh, so he's in, in my lineup this week in, in both leagues, uh, and I'm I'm hoping because I mean those are especially leagues like where I'm I'm behind and I need to start catching you up. Need, you need a hot run. You need yeah. him to hit eight homers in twenty games here. You know something like mm-hmm. that. And I I don't have any issues with your sixteen dollar bid, and yet you were still way too high according to yeah. the back bid of three. But I don't have any issues with sixteen. Um, that's why I'm saying people needed to put those cursory bids in last week. Now, the least that he's still available in this week, he'll probably be more expensive, if he, especially if he hits another homer or two. But I agree. he's He's got to be on a roster in every league, as annoying as he is, just because the upside is still there. Plus the fact that, you know, he can run a little bit, too. And it, it, it might not be much, but if he hits 14 homers with five steals the rest of the way, that's huge. Even if he hits 230 with it from here. So this is, you know, the importance of knowing your standings, right? So you need to go and look at your standings and see not only like where you can gain points, but where you can lose them. And I think often we get to this point and, you know, farther points in the season and people go, well, my average isn't going to move that far. But there have been lots of studies shown, uh, Todd Zola having done some really, really good ones, that show like the ratio stats move quite a bit. Because people can move down. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing where people can come back to you at the same time that you're moving up. Like, you, you're not, you cut Miles Straw, but you don't lose the steals that he had for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go down and steal. So I actively have to get steals to catch you. But if you're beating me in batting average and you go cold because you rostered Keston Hero like a moron, then I'm going to pass you. I'm kidding. No, but but I, it, I, I'm going to pass you, you know? It, yeah, and it, so, I mean, I think people really need to look at, you know, what standings uh, have a lot of movement, you know, upwards yep. or downwards before you make a, a big move to go get a Kestner. Because just because he needs to be rostered in every league doesn't mean he needs to be rostered on your team. One Another thing we pitches. say, yeah, we love to say. So... Uh, I think he should be picked up, and especially because he's got the second and first base eligibility, mm-hmm. uh, which is so valuable, being able to move between the corners. Uh, and, I mean, he was like a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick for a reason. Like, he's got talent in the bat, and it, it's not easy to in mixed leagues to find that kind of talent off the waiver wire. So uh, I I would try to go pick him up, but be careful if, if you can stand to lose a lot of points in batting average. Yeah, assess your situation. If the power helps, sure, but how much could his batting average hurt you? Because here is probably going to hit 230 uh, and and could even be lower. So just just be careful there. Uh, Let's talk Colin McHugh. I know we don't usually talk about uh, middle relievers, but I think he's kind of intriguing, even in deep mixers, and then, of course, AL only, pitching for the Rays. He has 11 multi-inning appearances, including each of his last six. He went three innings in three of those this month. And uh, that could continue with Tampa Bay's starting pitcher issues to where he's almost he's almost being used as like a follower type. And you look at the skills, they've been impeccable. 36% K rate, 6% walks, 
14% swinging strike rate with that nasty hook, 205 ERA and 104 whip. Um, you know, and talk about me- matching your uh, uh, your standings and, and looking at your standings and understanding what you need. He could be a good fit for you if if you could use some ratio help and you know you're okay in saves or something like that. You can maybe afford to make him your third reliever. Uh, and, and just try to help your ratios because Colin McHugh has been excellent. Does he does he strike your fancy at all? Uh, he does. I, I think he's very interesting, especially in AL only, but also, like you mentioned, in, in deeper mix. Um, and it's because he uh, he could turn into kind of this win vulture. Uh, we've seen guys like uh, Yasmero Petit has like seven wins already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, what is it, uh, Sutter, Brent Sutter over on Milwaukee uh, has been a guy who uh, he's already got eight wins, um, and he could become the Rays version of that. Yeah, uh, and even Devin Williams, by the way, speaking of, mm-hmm. of the Brewers, he's got four or five himself. Yeah, and so I think especially when people are making poor decisions in streaming, um like maybe they did last night with Matt Manning. Oh, um, we'll get to him in a bit. Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know these guys that you know are are really good middle relievers uh, that are offering, especially the strikeouts that uh, that McHugh has been offering on top of the potential the vulture wins here and there. That may be better options in your deeper mix leagues than than trying to uh, stream guys like. Mike Fulton Nevich, who I'm streaming tonight in the main event, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great call out though too, because and that's why I bring up the innings so much because if you're getting six innings from him in a week, that's a start. You know, two three inning outings and you're there. And with the strikeouts that he's that McHugh's been getting, you know, another guy that I really like is Jonathan Loizaga, who also mm-hmm. has dubs. So Suter Loizaga Petit. Uh, and even McHugh's teammate, Andrew Kittredge, they've been these win vultures, but none has anywhere near the strikeout rate that McHugh does. In fact, Petit's is a comical 13%, while the other guys are trending right around 25%, which is which is fine. But again, McHugh, 30%, uh, 36%, excuse me. I sold him ve- way too short. So yeah, I really like him. I think he's actually, he fits on a lot of 15-team mixers. Probably not your 12 teams. Uh, you'd have to be in a pretty luxury position. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're playing in leagues with starts limits. Like, uh, I'm, I'm playing in a couple leagues this year, which are a little foreign to me in terms of uh, having to really monitor how many starts you're getting. Like, a guy like this can offer, you know, really nice strikeout rates, you know, help in your ratios and sneak those wins and not have to, like, blow your starts. Yeah, McHugh's super valuable. And I always talk about my head-to-head points league that I play that has a cap. And in leagues like that, I mean, he, he's he's a gem. Uh, I had Fleming in that league, too, who di- who sometimes starts, sometimes didn't. Now he's on the IL. But I love players like that. So that's another avenue for Colin McHugh. I definitely think he needs to get some attention here uh, with what he's doing. And frankly, he could end up being a starter for them just based on what they need. Um, I hope not. I kind of like him in this role. But if they stretch him out more, they might start getting five, six innings out of him as a starter, which that wouldn't be bad either because he is pitching well. But I do like him as this sneak player here. Yeah, you the- almost hope that they don't because he might lose some of that effectiveness. I agree. I agree. I, I want him to just stay where he is. I think he's a niche type of player, deeper mixers, AL only, head-to-head, 
different formats like that. And I like players like that that fit nicely. Uh, let's talk a little holder fold here. Alec Bohm, 590 season OPS. He does have a 319 average in June, but with a 042 ISO. So he's just hit a handful of base hits. Should Alec Bohm really be rostered in like 98% of the OCs? Hmm. Ooh, man, probably not. Uh, like I keep. I think I, it's a probably. Like I think it's name based only, and only because he was a good prospect. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep looking at some of like the underlying numbers and going, he should be better than this. But at some point, sure. you have to perform. Uh, How many games since he hit his last homer? Just take a guess, real quick. Oh well, I mean, the question itself. I'm going to say thirty. <laughs> Forty-two game homer oh, list. Oh my god. 255-301-307 in that time. He had four homers in 32 games before that, but it was still with a 219-250-351 line. Strikeouts are up, walks are down for Bohm. He's at 98% in the OC. Can we play a little Would You Rather here? Shouts to our boy Eno. Um, Alec Bohm or Luis Urias? Out in Milwaukee, playing pretty well. Oh, I think you got to go Urias. Eight homers, three steals, 735 OPS, which, by the way, is about league average this year. Also, so, I think triple eligible, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think I think you have to go Urias. That, that's that's where I'm going. Um, Alec Bohm or Willie Castro, who, after a painfully slow start, has turned it on a bit. I don't know where he is very recently, but I know he had a little a little run there to kind of get his numbers back on track. The season numbers are still pretty ugly, but... Uh, he he'd been get like even this month he only has a 713 OPS but three homers three steals so still better than anything Bohm's doing. Would you go Willie Castro with multi eligibility or Alec Bohm? Um, hmm, I I think the speed component probably leads you towards Castro. By the way, um, why does he have third base eligibility? Oh, he played eight games there last year. That's yeah. right. The word threshold okay because i was like i did corners when i was searching the names and i saw cash i was like but he's only short shortstop in second no he has triple eligibility too mm -hmm. so that really helps as well I'm, I'm taking i'm taking castro for sure and then the last one uh abraham toro coming up we talked about him recently somebody that you actually highlighted very early in the season a uh, preseason actually as as mm -hmm. like you know you're off the radar, holy, you know, just way low type of guy to keep an eye on. Now has a great playing time opportunity with the Bregman injury. Would you go with your boy Toro or stick with Bohm? I think I would go uh, Toro. So that's three guys right there. Yeah. And they're available in many more leagues. Uh, Toro was 42% in the OC, Castro 48%. And Luis Urias, 81%. So not quite as available, but the other two much more so. And Boehm, like I said, at 98%. That's on name value alone. I know he played a great 44 games last year. And I was actually in on Boehm this year. So I'm not saying, you know, that I knew that this was going to happen. But I think it's time to cut bait in redrafts right now. In Dynasty and all that, I'm still buying long term. Don't get me wrong. But in the, in the here and now, I don't know how you can maintain this on your team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at some point you have to cut bait. Like, I still think, like, he's a guy who will be better at some point, but it's just been so brutal, you know, over the course of the entire season that maybe you just 
you cut th- bait and put him on your watch list, and if he starts to eat back up, exactly. you go grab him. I think that's a hard thing for a lot of fantasy managers, myself included, where it's like, I agree with you that he's going to get back on track probably even this year. But do you hold and wait for that like till August or whatever? Because like, we don't know when it's going to come. Or do you get the here and now production and try to get him back later? And yeah, you might have to pay you know triple digits fab when you go pick him back up or somebody, maybe even somebody sneaks him right away and holds him. You have to just be okay with that, I think, in shallower leagues. You can't afford to wait on a bunch of stuff in 12s and 10s. And I think that's when people who play mostly 15s or even like ALNL only, and they go to 10s and 12s, too much patience, I think, hurts mm-hmm. those players. And that's something and that I, I'm one of them. I, I struggle with that yeah. all the time because I, I am, you know, I came up playing AL and NL only, and now I mostly play 15 team mix. And so when I do play these 12s, I, I'm just too patient. And you couldn't fathom Bone being on the waiver wire in any of your leagues. Like, I'm not even suggesting that you cut him in the main 15-team mm-hmm. uh, league. But in 12s and 10s, I don't think he should be on uh, many rosters. Again, there might be a, a team in your league that can afford to host him. But I don't know that it has to be your team right now. I think Alec Bohm needs to start hitting some waiver wires at this point, even with the four steals uh, that he has on the season. Agreed. All right. Uh, let's talk about Holder Fold with Patrick Wisdom. Now, this one's probably uh, an easier iteration because he doesn't even have the hype uh, of an Alec Bohm. And he got off to that fantastic start, his first 20 games, 1260 OPS with nine homers. But the strikeouts were still there. And it was, it was you know, always seen as something that, like, this isn't going to last forever. It's been fun. It's been great. And, and, you know, the bottom has already fallen out. For Wisdom, he has a 629 OPS in his last 12 games. Still has a couple homers. And that's the thing, too, I think, because his power is so good that even when he's struggling, you know, a couple of his hits, even in a slump, are going to be home runs. But is he somebody that you might need to move on from uh, in your leagues right now? Are you going to hold or fold with uh, Patrick Wisdom? I think going to fold. Um, I'm sorry, just looking at these underlying numbers. And, uh, they were scary during the streak, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he his strikeout percentage is 40.7%. Yep. Uh, and his O swing is like 30%. And what, what, give, give some context on an O swing. Isn't it like 23% league average or something like that? Uh, yeah, I want to say it's like around 25 to 25 to 28. Um, okay. I, I'll he's, he's but, worse than average for sure. I mean, when you're striking out that much and it's not necessarily because you're sweeping outside of the zone all the time. That's just a sign that you're just. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I see what you're saying. It's not even an egregious. Oh, yeah. Swing. No, no. Because, I mean, we still see guys with 35, 40 yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but he's still, you know, he's not swinging outside the zone like an egregious amount. Yet he's still striking out a ton, which means he's missing a ton in the zone. Yep. Uh, yep. It's that all or nothing swing. Yeah. For them, right. It's Chris Carter-esque. It, it, it really, really is. Um, and the fact of it is, is that uh, he's already starting to lose playing time and looks like he's kind of in a short side platoon. I would be open to cutting him in all leagues except NL only right now. Yeah, I think that's right, especially because the Cubs being competitive mean that they're going to go and get someone. Uh, so in 31% O swing is league average. Um, so, so yeah, he's right. that, yeah, that's a great so, point that you brought up there because I, I thought you were say, saying that he's swinging, but he's not even swinging and missing a ton out of the zone. He can't hit it when it's in the zone. That's wisdom's yeah. issue. 
Yeah, and so, uh, I, I mean, you got a lot out of him in a short period of time. It's mm-hmm. now time to go look for the next Patrick Wisdom. Yep, yep. I think you got to do it. And, like, it's hard to cut a guy when he has a 177 WRC+. plus. It's the right move right now. Mm-hmm. I, I would do it, and I would do it for any of the guys that we just mentioned and probably even some lesser some lesser guys. But we are up against it on time a little bit, so we're going to move on. Talk about Matt Manning. Uh, and you mentioned him in passing there when we talk about streaming guys uh, as opposed to maybe going with somebody like a Colin McHugh. He gets absolutely torched for nine Ernie's and, uh, you know, kind of gombers folks there to where that second start can't even really save him mm-hmm. uh, later this week. It could make with, things much, much worse. Exactly. Um, and here's the thing. 338 ERA in those first two starts with very poor skills. He had four earned runs, but also four strikeouts and four walks <laughs> and nine hits allowed in the 10 and two thirds for Matt Manning. So question is hold or fold. It's not really a question. I know what you're going to say, but yeah, I think ahead. you got to fold um, all formats except AL only or, or yeah, maybe even AL only. No, I think you hold on to him in AL only because anybody with a pulse you're right, uh, you're right. is probably viable in, in AL only this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this was the easy start, by the way, at Cleveland. He gets the white sock this week. Exactly. And I, I got into like uh, not an argument, but a discussion about it on Twitter because our buddy uh, uh, Casey Bubba was saying, like, I don't understand, like, how he was 82% started in main events this week. Two start. It was a, it was two start with Cleveland up first. Yep. yep. Um, but, like, the the contact numbers are insanely bad. In 92% zone contact percentage, he's got a 4.7 swinging strike rate. Like... It's like these are like this is not going to work. And like, I mean, if you watch him pitch, you go, this is underwhelming. Like, well, and so are his minor league numbers. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. he got the call despite, I mean, his core skills were okay 25% strikeout, 7% walk. That's fine. But 11.3 hits and 3.1 homers in, in AAA for mm-hmm. my Manning, you were wondering, like, okay, they might see something where despite this these ugly numbers they're still giving him the call to maybe test him at the major league level but he's failing that test he needs to go back down i don't even know if he makes the sunday start i think he probably will um i think there's a chance they could even stick with him until the all-star break uh because turnbill's not coming back uh until after the all-star break uh matt boyd isn't even going to start ramping up until after the all-star break let me be clear i'm not against that because what else do they have to do? Um, but I just I, I think it's I think it's at least a potential that they're like ah you got to go back. Well, I mean because they none of their guys in AAA are on the forty man, none of their starters. Okay, that's a good point. So good point. like uh, in order for them to bring one of those guys up, um, I mean I guess they could theoretically tr- maybe bring up Joey Wentz who's in Double A. Uh, but now I think there's like COVID protocols that are too hard to come up. I. I Oh. I need to find the specifics on that because I, I read it way back early in the season. But I think we're going to see a lot fewer AA to majors upgrades uh, or, or promotions, I should say, because there's COVID protocols that they have to go. I think they actually have to be quarantined. So I don't I don't think that you could really do that in any sort of quick manner. And um, I think that's a good point that you that you make about the AAA guys not being on the 40. But you know what? 
that could just open up the door to, to DFA Nomar Mazar because that needs to happen yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I'm, go, the Tigers have a number of players that could probably <laughs> DFA. So I, I want them to go Grossman, Badu, Cameron in the outfield, and then when they trade Grossman, put up Victor Reyes, and then you've got a pretty exciting outfield out there. Mm-hmm. But, but get rid of Mazzara for a pitcher on the 40-man. I'd be fine with that. Uh, but Matt Manning, I agree with you, A only, because he has a pulse. you got to hang on just in case. And here's the thing, too. It wasn't this bad. But remember how terrible Logan Gilbert was to start his career and look at how much he's smoothed out. It is still just two starts. The problem is, though, there is no underlying skill that can get you excited about what he's done here in these first few starts. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference, too, is Gilbert was really polished uh, and and kind of ready. And I think Matt Manning, um, he just was brought up too quickly, like 32 AAA innings. Five innings in AAA, though. You would, but he was like a really uh, polished product coming out of the draft. Because he, he was a college guy, mm-hmm. and I don't. I think was Manning a college? No, Manning's a um, Manning's a high school. Right? Yeah, Manning is high school. So, yeah. um, I I think I think he was just a more advanced prospect at the time. Like I don't think this necessarily like destroys Manning's like value long term. I think this is just a really ugly bump in the road. Oh, he yeah. needs to go down and work on some things. Uh, and kind of finish developing before he gets brought back up again. But like I said, I think there's a, a, a reasonable chance that he uh, that he's up until Turnbull's ready to come back. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't think you're out of bounds to say that. Are you knocking on the door in Dynasty? Yeah. You're knocking on the Matt Manning person's door and saying, hey, what's up? I, you know. And again, we've talked about this before. You don't go in trying to fleece him. In fact, I'd be above board and just say, hey. I am trying to get a discount here. I'm just seeing where you're at with him. I'm not going to try to rip you off and think that you're going to give them to me for nothing. But where, where are you at? Has the price lowered at all? And uh, and then you go from there with Matt, with a Matt Manning potential trade. Uh, okay, we move on now and we talk a little bit about our free agent pickup of the week. And uh, yours actually talks about some strategy, too, that, that we, we have discussed offline a little bit and we wanted to bring onto the show. Let me start with mine real quick because it's kind of a quick hitter here. Eric Lauer uh, for Milwaukee. I'm just You just kind of lo- look at what he's doing under the hood a little bit, and there's some things that are a little bit impressive. And then the fact, that is, the fact is that he had Pittsburgh, and that makes everything easier to do, you know, to take, mm-hmm. to take the shot on. And so he had his Pittsburgh this weekend. And that was the main reason that that I rostered him personally. But I see, you know, the strikeouts going up. He, he's he's got a little bit of a velo jump, and I just think he's pitching a bit better. I trust what Milwaukee does with pitchers. Uh, I like that they've lowered his fastball usage, turned it into some cutter usage and changeup, and uh, I think he can be pretty decent for them. I know the the surface numbers right now aren't really there. You know, no one's no one's dying about a 4.50 ERA and a 1.32 WHIP. But I think he can improve both of those, especially with these core skills. He needs to figure out a way to keep the ball in the yard. Yeah. And that's the big issue. But I don't think Pittsburgh is a team to exploit that. Uh, so that's why I was I was fine picking him up for this week. And if he does well, I'll probably team stream him and start him uh, and bench him next week against Cincinnati. But I like Eric Lauer a little bit, and so that's why I rostered him. What do you think? Yeah, I'm too worried about the homer issues uh, to, to take a shot on him. Um, and while he has been uh, ratcheting up the strikeouts recently, he's also been walking more guys recently. Um, and so that's a little bit scary when you add that into a homer problem. 
Mm-hmm. So I I would not have bid any of your dollars, much less my dollars, on Eric Lauer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has allowed two homers in his last four starts. So, you know, it, th- those have been really tamped down recently, and they were both in one game at Colorado. So I don't even really. Hold and if that you go in. back to that fifth start at the beginning of June, he allowed three home runs. Uh, over the course of these 22 innings in June, he is uh, five walks per nine um, while allowing two homers per nine. Yeah, but they were in two games. Like the the Detroit game, he's got to wear it. But like, are you really... Four, four walks at Cincinnati back to back. I'm not disputing the walk issue. I'm yeah. talking about the home runs. Like, yeah, the, he wears the three at Detroit, but like, I, I don't care about two at Colorado. I would never have started him there. So like ostensibly for fantasy purposes, it doesn't count because like, who cares? But it it counts because it's part of his profile. So why would we pretend that like, that's part of what we're looking at here? Because it's part of his profile. It's part of, you know, what's that? It's part of his, it's part of his profile. It's part of who kind of he has been. Um, So like you give him a pass because you wouldn't have started him in Colorado, but I mean, he had a 1.6 Homer per nine last year. He's had yeah, in that's, a two. That's a, that's a lot different than a two point though. Two is is disastrous. He had eleven innings last year. I look at the oh, one two or nine from 2018, 2019, and that's still high. But I can live with that if he can shave it down to that for Eric Lauer with this newfound strikeout rate, and even with the with the walk rate. Like I, I I don't want it to be at five, but if he's at like three and a half, I can live with that. Again, it's Pittsburgh. That's the main. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this here. week is fine. I think trust the, the team. In question, I think there's there. I think there's some stuff, uh, like like with his pitch repertoire that is worth keeping an eye on Eric Lauer. Right. Yeah, not 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 my cup of tea, but I understand the the uh, idea and thought process. All right, what'd you go for? Uh, I went for closers this week, um, and closers with a question mark. Yeah. Um, so uh, that gross because I know who was available. Yeah. Like, there was some like. There were some guys to go for, though. That That is true. And, I mean, the reason, like, I, I want to talk about this is because, uh, you know, in, in TGFBI, I'm in a weird position where, like, I need some saves uh, to keep me above my wife in the overall. Um, but also, like, I can gain a little bit of room with saves in, in my team standings. And I'm starting to make finally make some headway as I get players back healthy now that I've got Hayes and and Springer back on my team and stuff. Um, But ultimately, I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch like middle of the pack. Uh, I only have 10 saves so far this year. And so at some point, I'm going to have to make a decision on whether or not to punt that. But for right now, I'm kind of just trying to push in front of at least the guy in front of me, uh, Dan Strafford, who doesn't have any closers left and he has 11 saves. So um uh but in the tag team league with Shelly the difference between 15th place in saves and 4th place in saves is 10 saves oh wow and so we kind of went Damn. with a strategy of um cast our net far and wide mm-hmm. this week and Did you get multiple. Yeah, we got Jose Alvarado, Hansel Robles, and Brad Brock. So you got a piece of three bullpens that are mm-hmm. uncertain right now. And 
in hoping uh, that, because we already have Brad Hand, hoping that one of those guys emerge. And I was really surprised because, I mean, this is a really, really stacked league in terms of the talent in it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, Eric Cross and Michael Govier, uh, Zach Wax and Mike Curland, uh, Matt Modica's in it, um, you know, uh, uh, Dave McDonald's in it. Um, like, this is a really, really good league of talented players. And we got all these guys for very affordable prices. Alvarado for 45 bucks, backup bid was 16. Hansel Robles for 37 bucks, backup bid was 22. Brad Brock for 17 bucks, backup bid was 8. Are you saying the guys, the folks in that league are idiots? Is that? I'm saying they're not looking at the standings closely enough. They are dumb. They're dumb. They are so dumb. Uh, no, they're, you know, uh, no, they're looking at different things, probably. Yeah, they're they I don't think they're looking and then maybe they're evaluating the talent and going, these guys aren't aren't closers. And I think that's a fair, um, you know, criticism. Maybe they don't believe that they're closers. But when you're talking about four of the top five teams in this like grouping. Yeah. Like that's a huge difference. No doubt. Um, and you know, for us, we were, we were in 12th place in saves coming into this week. Um, we've now moved up into 11th, uh, after getting a save last night, that's seven and a half points we can gain if we can get into that fourth spot. Yeah, that that's, that's wild. And that's, and that's the difference spike, in the league. If, if one of those three becomes a set closer and you spike yeah. an actual closer from that, I mean, that's massive. So that's like, um, was it Minnesota, Cincy and Philly that you got in on? Mm-hmm. Two of those three teams, I still, I still think are pretty decent. I'm not a huge Philly guy, but I think that they're pretty good, and uh, you know, at least capable to keep getting a good number of save opportunities. And I think that uh, Cincinnati, I, I still fully actually believe that they can win the division. I don't, I'm not I saying that tell. they will. I think that they can. And um, so, if you got there closer, that'd be huge. Minnesota, they're not very good, yeah. um, but there will be some opportunities for Robles. For sure. So yeah, I, I like that strategy. And you know, this is the second time this episode that you've hit on talking about managing the standings. And I do think we are at a point where you need to make some tough decisions. And if you're not in NFBC, this part doesn't necessarily apply to you as much because there's not an overall component. But there is still a, a, um, a strategy of getting in and looking at your standings and understanding what you can actually do. And, and in you your know, standalone leagues, it's even more important because you don't have to worry about the the overall. Yeah, like hunting categories... Yeah, punting categories or attacking categories can make a huge difference when you're when you look at your team and you go, I'm not going to get enough saves to be competitive, you know, or gain any more points. Um, you can trade, right? Because mm-hmm. why would you hold like Kenley Jansen if you Kenley Jansen and then bust? Your your other specs didn't work out on on closers, so Jansen's really your only good reliever. Why would you hold him? If you're in dead last and your next move is five saves away in, in the barf league, which is a trade league, um, this this weekend I traded, I made two really big trades. My my pitching is stacked, uh, and I moved Lucas Giolito for Chris Bryant um, and Lance Lynn for uh, uh, Nick Castellanos. So you hate the White Sox. <laughs> apparently no it's like my pitching is stacked like my my worst pitcher in that league is like Andrew Heaney and then my next like worst guy is like Kyle Gibson like my my 
Dang, dude. Like, my pitching is just absolutely cool. stacked in that league. And I went, my offense is atrocious. Like, it's, it was bad already. And then it also has Byron Buxton. So, like, oh, like man. I needed, I needed to move in power and, and on base percentage. Um, so that way I can make sure Matt Davis gets a tattoo of my face on his ass. <laughs> and it has to be high impact offense too. So you can't really just do mm-hmm. it on the waiver wire based on what you're telling me at this point. So you got to go out and make a big move and you made two colossal moves to get KB and Castellanos. I, I really like that. That's, that's sharp right there. And so I, th- I think it's, it's really, if you haven't done it already, take some time before the next fat run before you really start making trades and stuff and and sit down and do the math, put it in a spreadsheet and figure out, okay, these are the categories I can make up ground. These are the categories my competition can make up ground. Yes. This is where I can lose ground and start making a plan to kind of further your team. It's, it's really important to get working on this before, you know, especially the counting categories get out of reach. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's dead on. And you don't want to wait too long, and then you can't. You can't mm-hmm. get there. You end up making the trades for no reason, especially when you're like a keeper. Like I, I've definitely waited too long before in like a keeper situation. Then I make the moves for guys that I could have kept, and it's like now, now you, you you double whammied yourself. You're not going to make up the categories, and you traded away that great keeper. So I've mm-hmm. certainly been there. I think now is the time to really start looking at standings and making your decisions about what you're going to be able to do the rest of the way. I think that's a wonderful call out there. Often, often people like wait till their league's trade deadline to make moves. And and that's like probably a month and a half away in a lot of leagues and maybe even closer to two months in some leagues. Um, You get the better deals and you get the most impact the earlier you can make those trades. Just like in real life. And Mm -hmm. I, and like, I understand a little bit more in real life why they why they wait and everything, but I think sometimes like the teams that are obviously competing, like the White Sox talking about going to get Eduardo. Go do that right now. Go get Eduardo Escobar right now. He makes a high impact by getting him on June 29th instead of July 29th. That extra month is huge. And I think even more so if you're if you're an up and coming team as opposed to a team like the White Sox in first. Same with fantasy. If you're the you know fifth place team trying to make a run. Make that trade now as opposed to the you know, first place team might wait a little longer. They have a little bit more leeway. But I agree. People wait too long. Go out, make those deals and 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 figure your stuff out because, uh, you know, time will eventually start running out. And there's still there at this juncture right now. There's still plenty of time if you go out and make the moves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, Justin. Great talking with you. I think that's going to wrap us up today. Uh, one last thing, though. Patreon game of the week. Watch party. Ooh. Got uh, four options. I think we're leaning toward Thursday here based on what I'm seeing. I did throw the Arietta Burns game on Wednesday. Uh, basically, if you wanted to see Burns, not not really Arietta. That's on Wednesday at 1. We have Griffin Canning against Jordan Montgomery on Thursday at noon. Yusei Kikuchi Hunjin Ryu on Thursday at noon as well. That's my vote, by the way. And Jose Barrios versus Carlos Rodon Thursday at 1. So what are you thinking on those? Hmm... Looking at my work schedule, I think the easiest one for me would be the the Brios uh, Rodon uh, okay. uh, Thursday at, at, at one Central, so because that's eleven Pacific for me. All right, well let's 
let's do this then. Let's take the Kikuchi, Ryu, and Barrios, Rodon. Those are our two picks. Put them in the Discord for a vote. Okay. And if you have to be a little late to Kikuchi, Ryu, that's fine. But if not, we'll do Barrios, Rodon. I'm totally fine with that. Either one of those works for me, so I'm, I'm good either way. Sounds good. All right. Again, that's patreon.com slash the sleeper in the bust. I always forget. The sleeper in the bust. Uh, yeah. The sleeper in the bust. Get in any tier that has the Discord. You can come in, hang out with us. We had a real spirited argument uh, with our boy. As <laughs> I, I say we. I did. It was great. Uh, if you've but, ever wanted to be yelled at by Paul Sporer, like the, the, the Patreon and the Discord. Well, I, he was yelling at me, too. It was it was great, though. It's the kind of stuff I, I like arguing about baseball and sports in general. And it's not personal. And as these, mm-hmm. I like having a combatant. Uh, maybe that's not the right word, you know, but a, a, a debate partner that knows that too. So we can get in there and even say something, you know, as spicy as like, oh, that's such a stupid take. But I'm not calling him stupid. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going at him. So we got spicy on Brent. the irony of it, though. Yeah. Discussion was: Is Brandon Belt injury prone? And I said yes because it's a stone cold fact that he is. Aziz, I love you, but you were dead wrong. And then in the game that we're watching, he got get, hurt yeah. and then goes on the IL. That was that was too rich. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's a great time in there. We've been having more and more people come in. It's just a cool way to hang out. And don't feel obligated to talk. You can hang out if, if you're working and you just want to have the game up and listen to us chat, whatever you want. It's 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 however you want to take it. I because I, I had a few people be like, do I have to talk? I was like, no, you do not have to, no. you know, contribute to the group there. You can just chill if you want. So patreon.com slash the sleeper in the bus. We appreciate all the support there. We still have more things coming. We're going to have a special episode this month that uh, I'm going to be sending Justin some details for later this week. And I think this Sunday we will have a fab chat. Um, and I'm figuring out the best way to do that. I was going to do it this Sunday, but I forgot I was house sitting for my sister. So I wasn't home to do that. So stay tuned to the Patreon for that as well. Well, basically I'll just answer your fab questions during the weekend. So Justin, great speaking with you. Talk to you later this week. Take it easy.